This is The Secret Library Podcast, a show about writing and publishing books. I'm Caroline Donahue, a writer and writing coach, and this begins our ninth year and tenth season of the podcast. Our topic this season is money and writing, featuring a series of deep conversations about how writers strive to strike a balance between creativity and finances. This week, my guest is Kern Carter. He's a YA novelist who self-published two books and then leveraged publishing deals with Penguin and Scholastic. He's also a screenwriter, a college writing instructor, and creator of the substack Writers Are Superstars, which explores patterns of success for writers versus those in pop culture. This conversation made me feel like a human bottle of champagne, and I cannot think of a better episode to share for Leap Day. So let's leap ahead with Kern Carter. Hey, Kern, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I am too. I've been I've been reading your posts at writers are superstars and i've just been like jumping around in my seat excited i was so thrilled you were willing to come on and talk about this but you're asking questions that most people don't ask when they're thinking about writing just makes me so happy so i'm wondering if we could start at the beginning and say what made you start writing Writers Are Superstars? And what was sort of the foundational question, because I feel like it is related to writing and money, that got you going in that direction? It felt, starting Writers Are Superstars kind of felt like the absolute right thing to do, but at the right time. So prior to that, I was talking a lot. I had, Cry is the name of my company, and I, I had this magazine called Cry Magazine, and it focused on the emotional aspects of writing. Um, so we spoke like getting rejected, like, you know, all, all these emotional things that, that come with writing and it it was great. Like we had a bunch of contributors and it was doing well, but my personal tastes, like, and what I want to like communicate to writers always felt was always in pop culture, right? Like I, I love pop culture and I really, really, I, I was fortunate to have success monetarily as a writer and an author. So I, I even as Cry was happening for years and it was doing well, I was on the side, like I would write a piece on LinkedIn about making money. And then I would like write something like I would write all these little side pieces. And I'm like, why am I doing that? I'm like, let me let me like actually dive all the way into this. So I was in L.A., me and my business partner were in L.A. one time in 2022 and it was May. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it like on a whim in L.A. I'm like. I'm going to call it writers are superstars and I'm just going to start, I'm going to literally merge publishing and pop culture. Like, that's what I said. I'm like, we're going to bring together publishing and pop culture, my two loves. um, And we're going to show, we're going to show writers their true value. And that's what writers are superstars is based off of. So it's really about, first of all, it's about confidence. Like the reason I say writers are superstars is so writers actually feel, um, feel that, feel their value and feel confident. But I also wanted writers to feel like, really? 
Like, am I a superstar? <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't think I'm a super, like, I want them to feel that too. Like, I want them to ask themselves that question so that when they read my post, they realize like, yeah, you are a superstar already right now. And I'm going to show you the ways that you can actually pull from pop culture and the ways that you contribute to pop culture that doesn't even really register on your radar and how you could take all those learnings and take all that value and take all that confidence and go build a career. Um, because I, I'm, I'm doing it and I've done it. And I've seen so many other writers do it as well. So it's not this like impossible thing. I feel like you can be as strategic as a lawyer can be getting, uh, getting their, their profession started. Like, you know, you have to do your undergrad, then go to law school, then do whatever, whatever. Like, I think writers could be just as prescriptive and have success. Like you, so you might not end up being, you know, like I, I just did a post on, on, um on Patterson right like, mm -hmm. like you might not end up like you might not make 400 million you might not sell 400 million books but you can still you could thrive as a writer and really have make a make a living for yourself so that's really what it's based off of I love it Patterson is such a juicy example because I think that I love the merging of writing and pop culture because we're so conditioned to think of them as separate. Like there's other art forms like dance and music, and you've used examples from all of, and fashion and all of these things. And then we have writers over here. And I love that you were writing about this, you know, making money as a writer on the side, as if it's this little tiny thing. Am I allowed to talk about this? Yes. <laughs> Before it gets put in the center, why do you think we do that? You know, part of it, I think, and, and I go back and forth about this. So I say this with a little bit of hesitation. I think part of it is writers have kind of that personality where we're in the background. Like, I, I, I do think that does play a role. But the reason I hesitate to say that is because even though I do believe that, yes, yeah, some writers do kind of, they rather exist in the background. I, in my heart, believe that really, if we... If we had the opportunity to actually shine publicly, we would take that opportunity. Most of us would accept that opportunity. You know what I mean? So I, I think the the conversations around around money is like a, a reflection of that. It's like our like this dudes, this split personality we have where we feel like, oh, talking about money is this like faux pas thing. Like no one wants to do that. And and it's like historical because we have this, we have this. Um, we, we've told ourselves this story or created the story of this tortured writer that comes from like romantic era writing writers and, and stuff like that. You know, like these these writers who abuse drugs and abuse alcohol and, you know, like shut themselves out from the world for months and months at a time. And like and we live have this in an attic with no. Yes. All that. Right. And we give us and we have this image that, oh, if we're not tortured in some way that. We're, we're not great writers. Like we actually believe that. Like we, I think we believe that. So I just, I want to break that. Like, I, I don't think that's, that's true at all. I think that you could be, you could be an extrovert. You can be popular and still create really, really amazing writing. And you don't have to like shy away from the fact that writing is a career that earns money, right? Like we are, we are participating in this culture. We're already doing it. Film, TV, music, even video games, all of it starts with the writer. So what, what makes us believe that we are not part of those industries already, first of all, and why can't we be in the forefront of those industries and say, hey, we could build, we're here too. We're part of pop, popular culture. You just don't know our names, right? Yes. It's this 
this culture of the writer feeling like they're not allowed to give themselves permission, I think. It's like someone, some other gatekeeper, and maybe this is historically what's gone on with publishing, you know, that someone else has to give you the stamp of approval. And for such a long time, there was such a dichotomy between um, having a publisher put your book out versus deciding to put a book out as a creative project. And now I feel like the difference is, is fading. But I in other industries, yeah, in other industries, it's like, if you've done a painting, you've done a painting. And maybe it's, it's like, you may not be in a museum or a particular museum, but you can paint whether or not somebody says you're allowed to. Oh my gosh. I think you just, I think you nailed something. I think the historical nature of the publisher giving you that stamp of approval and, and pair that with the fact that before um, independent public publishing became a thing, before self-publishing became a thing, you were not even considered a real writer if you did not, a real author if you didn't get a publishing deal. I'll tell you a story in college when I was mm -hmm. writing my book, I had two great, I had, I have another story that I'll tell another time where oh, a professor good. really helped me out that was encouraging. But this professor told me when I was thinking about, I just first started writing my first novel. Um, he's like, don't self-publish. Like, so this will be in 2000, the mid 2000s, right? Don't mm -hmm. self-publish. Like nobody self-publishes. You're not even a real writer if you self-publish. My professor told me mm -hmm. that. You know what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say? So, And I was like, true. She's like, I'm agreeing with them. Like, oh, that's true. Oh, I don't want, I want to be a real writer. But, but because my mind was not even, you know, there. Now I ended up self-publishing my first book because, but that happened like seven years later, right? When I was able to kind of unlearn those things. But that was the mindset back then. So I actually, I agree with you. I think there's a real kind of like unlearning we have to do because there's been a mindset and a historical kind of precedence of if, if you don't have a publisher, then you are not a, a, an authentic writer. Then your writing is is in a way like trash or second or second to something, you know? That that phrase, the real writer. Oh, I could do, I could do a whole season. I could do a whole show called The Real Writer. Um, because it's so loaded. It's so loaded. And um, I love that you put your book out. I'm sorry it took seven years though. I know because I was I was trying to get a publisher. I I yeah. thought I wasn't a real writer. Yeah. Like legit. I was like, oh well, my because I looked up to this. This is these are one of the professors. That was one of the professors who I looked up to. It wasn't like a just an off, off-handed professor. I went to him for advice for a reason. And the fact that he gave me that advice, again, I took it to heart. I was like, okay, then I'm not self-publishing, right? Like I'm I'm gonna go go find a publisher. And it was way harder back then. This is like 2007 or eight or something like that. So it was not like there were all these opportunities out there. So it was really hard to find the publisher and to find all the information that you need and to understand querying and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And you're right. The, the real writer mentality, we need to, we, we need to just like, it's, it's, we need to decapitate that term. Just like, just <laughs> end it. Just be like, that's enough. Like no more. Yeah, no more. We're killing it off right now. I think well, you talked about this in a in a different way in a post where you were talking about the idea of how writers, we box ourselves in in this little tiny area. We give ourselves like a little teeny tiny dance space of 
I'm a novelist. I'm a short story writer. And you were talking about artists who move, like I think it was Solange who put an album out and then did a collaborative performance and then put a book out and then went in another direction. And why is it that writers don't think that way? So can you say a little bit more about that thought process? Because it was very... Yes. My brain, my brain was all over the wall. I was very happy reading that. I, I love that. And I and I love that you read that piece. Those that I that's one of my favorite pieces because it, again, it kind of speaks to mentality and it and it and it's really one of the the core tenets of, of writers or superstars, like you're talking about, like learning from pop culture. These artists, Solange, there's another um person I mentioned who 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 did um who was a uh, in fashion and, and yes. we had such so, they're they're trajectories are so I don't even know what the right term is maybe roller 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 coasters is the right term but it makes that seem like it goes up and down which it doesn't it's it's just they are finding different ways to express their creativity the, at the core that's what they're doing but the difference between them and the writers they're actually comfortable with that they're seeking that they're okay with being like all right like I'm a um, I'm a musician yes that's my first passion let's just say I love it in Solange's case I'm a musician. That's my first passion. Great. I'll put out a song, put out an album. It does okay. Great. Oh, wait a second. I actually like fashion. So I maybe I should try designing this thing, right? And and just really being open to the thought of or the idea of floating through your career and look and taking those creative opportunities as they come or being very intentional and creating creative opportunities, using the skills, your writing skills and your writing brain. The thing is like, as writers, we are creative people, like full stop. We need to stop thinking that we are just writers. We are storytellers. We are creators. We are directors. We are producers. All of that. We're, we're super, super creative people. So why do we think that our skills are not transferable to different parts of creativity? Why don't we think that we could run a project with an ad agency and be that creative director? Why don't we think that we can have a fashion line for ourselves? Why don't we think that we could start like and, 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 right? And keep going. Like we need to, we need to really kind of let our mind flow and not only for creativity's sake, which I think is important just on its own, we could have stopped right there, but as, as a, 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 a way to make money and to and to, to bring revenue into who into what you do, they're expanding is the thing. Look at musicians, right? Like look what they do. They tour, they make music, they tour, they sell merch, they partner with brands. Writers don't do any of that. Like we, you know. we we write a book and we do our book launch and we call it a day, right? Like that's as far as we go. Like, why don't we try to find brand partnerships? Why don't we sell more of us sell merch? Why don't we like create these things that I can't even think of right now? Like, why don't we create something that is just like we always wanted to do? I think one one person replied that they wanted to write a play in Italian on one one of us. Like that was their goal. I'm like, amazing, do it, right? Like that, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Like, let's get super creative and not limit ourselves because First of all, it just help us helps us creative, create, creatively to kind of express ourselves, but it makes money. Like you can make a lot of money when you have different forms of revenue. And if you know anything about business, in order to actually sustain yourself, no, not to sustain yourself, in order to thrive, you yes. should have multiple forms of income. Like that is business 101. Absolutely. I had this vision of creating like the ultimate writer's robe as you were 
I was like, like we all, we all lay around in the house feeling dramatic. I'm like, I want the ultimate like writer's robe. But can the writer's robe be something that you wear? Like you won't feel uncomfortable if someone else was in the house with you. That's not, that doesn't live with you. Like, could it be a, oh, no, a I'm okay with fashion it. statement? You know, like, oh, no, I like, would wear it. I'd wear it out. I mean, I live out. in, I live in Berlin. I can wear whatever I want. Um, nobody, <laughs> nobody cares here. I don't know. I think I'm going to play with this. Okay. I, I would love to see that. I would love my business partner is like, we should make an umbrella. Our business is called cry. Let's like design an umbrella. I'm like, we're going to do it. Like, who cares? Why not? Like, you know, like, yeah. why, why not do it? You know, I, I have a journal that I, we, we created a 90 page journal. I don't even, it, the journal came from a larger piece that we did. Right. We didn't even create a journal on its own. It was part of something else. And then we're like, oh, we should just like, put this online and see if people buy it i went to go look yesterday like people are buying the thing i i was we, i don't promote it i don't even talk about it it was just like a literal passion thing like oh here's here's all based off the emotional stuff i talked about before with cry we're like let's just put this stuff together like this is fun we hired a graphic designer from ethiopia like it was the most fun project we did right with no intention of like oh this is going to be some kind of commercial success and it hasn't been like a super commercial success, but people are buying it. People are interested in it. And we feel amazing having gotten it done. Like we'll look at it and be like, oh my gosh, I love this. Like sometimes you just got to go there. I love it. I'm wondering if you can tell us, I, I just want to hear about all the passion projects. Because I think a lot of people are probably out there. I can just feel them out there like, this is exciting, but I don't know. I need more examples. Like, got so you. you've got, you've written novels, you've run a magazine, you've talked about screenwriting, you've got a journal. Now you're going to have an umbrella. Like what, what, what else is going on, Kern? <laughs> yeah. All, all of those things, you, you said it right. Um, I'm also, so yes, screenwriting for sure. Screenwriting is actually brought in like a good chunk of money, right? We've, we've gotten grants, we've gotten light, we've licensed our first film. So that's actually been profitable for us. Um, yes, the magazine, Cry Magazine, for sure. What um, what I'm working on now is actually a little bit of a super project, I call it. So it's this thing that we've been working on for years that we started already kind of called Love and Literature, where essentially it's like a platform on Substack right now anyway, where um, we, we get writers from all over the world um, and have them, we give them like a month, one Sunday in every month. So they have four, four, four Sundays to tell us a, a, a short memoir type story. So we've had writers from Italy and India and, and all over the world, Middle East and everywhere, write write these stories, right? Our, what I'm trying to do is like use that as a proof of concept to go get funding, to turn it into a platform that could actually start publishing authors. So, you know, most platforms that have an audience would charge the author because they're like, oh, we have this audience. You come right on our platform. We paid the author. We paid them $300. Um, no, sorry. I think we paid them like $700 um, to pay. And what we ultimately want to do is we want to get to a point where we could pay the author $10,000 because we want to solve for some problems. Like the first problem we want to solve for is like self authors today, self-published or published make about $6,000 a year. Like that. that's, that's what an author would make. But that 6000 is spread over a year. And if you're traditionally published, it can be spread over two years, right? Like I still have not received all 
payments for my for I have four publishing deals. I have not received all payments for those deals yet. Some of those deals were signed two years ago. So that's that's just how publishing works, right? So we want to solve for that by giving them their money as soon as you're finished writing your four stories. Here's ten thousand dollars. You go. Then we, the other thing we wanted to solve for is just like how, like how could we just make things in, exciting in writing again, right? Like, like you know how there's this like Netflix. Um, like overload, choice overload, where you're like, oh, what am I going to watch? But if you get into um, something like a series like Game of Thrones and they or Succession and they only put it out once every Sunday, you're like, you have the whole week where Twitter's going crazy. Like, oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah. we want to bring that excitement back. So we're only putting it out once a week to start creating excitement and find the new kind of wave of authors who are not published um, or or because we're not against publishing or who just got a publishing deal and just wanted like test some of their work. We want to create a space for them and a platform for them to kind of like share um, share their stories. And then because we're into the film industry and have that going now, we want to use the fa fans and use the audience to tell us which one of these stories throughout the year do you like the best that you'd want to see turned into a film. Take that, use our producer connections and turn that into a film. So it's literally like kind of like if you know business, like kind of like vertical integration where we control every part of the of the process. Um, that's what that's my ultimate goal. So I could like serve authors, do do the filmmaking thing, be super creative because we'll need a team of editors and graphic designers. And then the final piece would be to turn some of the stories into like animated stories. So we get like an animator. It's not that so that's like super, super goal. Like I we we need money to do it, which is why we'll need some investment. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my super goal. And on the low, I'm kind of hoping that like one of my publishers will do it because I'm my, one of my publishers is Penguin. The other one is Scholastic. Like they have, they have a good amount of, of money. So I'm hoping that once I get a little comfortable with them, I'll pitch them the idea and be like, Hey, look what I've been working on. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I think this is, this is what I get really excited about is when, there are new ways to find people who have stories to tell and help find them and share them in a way that does not cause them to burn out and collapse. Exactly. Exactly. It's 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 so necessary. And and I just I I I want to be able to build have the audience already in place because like uh Again, if going back to my idea, but it could be any, any on any platform, it doesn't specifically have to be my idea. But if if you're able to, let's suppose you guys have a hundred thousand people on your on a newsletter list, right? And you have a fifty percent or even a forty percent open rate, which is probably closer to normal, like a forty percent open rate. If you can guarantee an author, a new author, that every with every post that you put out, forty thousand people are going to read it, I think that is that is worth everything. Like they should be paying you for that. Right. But again, I'm like, no, you deserve the money. You did the writing. We're going to take this stress off you. We're going to take this trying to market to find an audience off of you. We're going to do all that for yourself. And we're going to pay you $10,000. Like the, I I'm saying that to say that I understand so much of um, the mentality of a, of a writer where they feel like, yes, they just want to write. But there's there are all these other things that they have to do in order to kind of get their careers off the ground. And it is what it is. You have to do those things. Right. But a lot of authors, their mindset is not they're not conditioned to even start thinking like that. Or even if they are, even if they know and they're aware that they have to do these things, it's marketing is a skill. Learning how to understand um, business. Is, these are things you have to learn. It's not they're not necessarily things that are natural, like becoming a writer right like and it's not it's not something you're passionate about also so 
knowing that, like, I would love to be able to help relieve some of that, some of those pain points for authors and for writers in general. Um, even though myself, like, I, I, I I'm not, I, I wouldn't call myself shy, but I mean, I, 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 I do all the things I need to do to get myself out there, but it's not always comfortable for me, you know? No. So I, I do sympathize and empathize with, with what writers go through, um, even the ones who are doing it and it's not comfortable for them. So I, I just, I would love to be able to kind of address that. I love it. I think the thing that's really revolutionary about this is that we spend, we ha- we're in such a culture now where like eyeballs and attention is considered the the resource worth paying for but at the same time it's all of us who are inspired who have ideas who get fired up i mean i'm a little biased here but i feel like we get it from reading what writers write and without that the eyeballs don't matter if there's nothing to read like We've just spent so much time. It's like the pendulum has gone so far over to you should be grateful for these 40,000 opens or these 40,000 people on this email list rather than those 40,000 people should be grateful that they get to read something inspiring and wonderful. You, you, you literally like that. That's exactly it. That's and that's why we're paying the authors like your work is the value. That's the value add here. Like we don't ever want to get that confused. Like the fact that you can produce this has value. This is that's one thing I, I'm I'm never like. I just want to say this carefully. Like I, it's one thing I hope we realize over the pandemic, right? Like one benefit of it. I I kind of want to say you know in a way that the art artists, writers, and all artists like our value is so high so high to to culture to humanity to the way we exist right to the way we're able to socialize and function our value is so incredibly high and it was shown over those few years and i hope we're able to again find ways to realize that find ways to express that because uh, to your point i was i was listening to this is oh well actually no i'm not even going to say this is a tangent because it's not. Tangents are fine. Tangents are fine. Tangents are fine. Tangents are welcome. This is a tangent safe zone. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> They're all stories. They're all stories. I was listening to um this podcast called Trapital. And it's a music music business podcast. And they're talking about how um how SoundCloud now has this way of paying for streamers where they use it's called fan centric. So if they're basically saying that if if you come on to their platform, let's just say that you come on to SoundCloud and you intentionally look for an artist, right? Like you came on and you want to listen to whoever your favorite artist is, right? Um, then a larger chunk of the, of the money that they have will go to that artist because you came on for that artist and you only listen to that artist and then you came off rather than if you came on, put on a playlist and you were passively listening, Right. Because right now it's it's this model where everybody, it's a user-centric model. Everybody, all artists get paid the exact same regardless of of how the um they were discovered or how much or what or whatever the situation was, right? And it started, it started to make me think about the lengths that artists go through to like get discovered and the lengths that artists go through um to get their music heard by people and how the, they will actually diminish their music and diminish their art in order to get those views. 
And I'm like, is that, and I know Spotify, whatever I'm saying Spotify, cause they're the biggest, I know they're, that was not their intention. Absolutely not. I, I feel like they, they've actually made, made it so much more accessible for people to listen to music. Right. So um, I know that's not necessarily their intention, but when, when a musician or an artist has to, has to go through these lengths that are so far outside of what they would typically do or even feel comfortable doing, or even if it's not a comfort thing, but it's just like a, a, a creative thing. So the things that they would have to do on TikTok creatively to get attention to their art, I think that is a, it's a problem. It's like what you're just saying. I think we are swinging a little bit too far or a lot too far to the other side where it's like the, the viewer matters so much that we're willing to do anything to get to this viewer or listener or whatever you or reader or whatever. When in fact that this viewer cares about us more than we care about them. They care about our work more than, you know what I'm trying to say? Like they, it's so much more valuable for their life than it is for, well, or there's a balance where like, it's valuable for us to create it. It's at it's, least equal. It's at least equal. Yes. And we're not, we're not treating it like it's equal right now. Not at all. We're treating, we're going too far in the other direction. And I think we need to, pause and figure out some other type of metric and some other type of way that we can be um compensated you know what i mean and 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 discovered and found, like we it's it, another thing i remember reading or i remember i think i heard this on the same podcast but steve jobs hated the idea of streaming he always thought that it would make more sense to for to have the fan pay for whatever that they they wanted which is why they came out with at, like the like how you bought Apple like singles before, right? Because he's, even though it was one ninety nine, you still had to pay for that. Um, and even though it's more accessible, you still have to pay for that. Now, I'm not going to go into a discussion about whether he was right or not, but right. I, I now you could understand his point, right? Because it's so far diminished that it's like you would do people. There are there are streaming farms, right? Like what? So you're going to buy get create this place space where there are a bunch of phones just or whatever just streaming your music because that is how important the viewership is to you i think we're we're we're, we're too far you you said it really you said it articulately we're we swing we, we're swinging way too far yeah absolutely i think uh there's just there's so much possibility here though in a moment it's like i feel like there's this hover, you know, when you, when the pendulum kind of pauses, I feel like you're right. That did happen during the sort of heavy pandemic lockdown era where everybody was forced to interrupt the usual way of doing things and think, wait a minute, is this how I want to do this? Is this working mm. for me? And, but that, just because that's different now and it's not as intrusive as it was, that doesn't mean we can't keep asking these questions, which I think Absolutely. are just as important as they always have been. Yeah. And and we should continue to ask those questions because it's going to push us in a direction that's going to be better for everyone, including society. Like it's this is not just um artist benefit and nobody else benefits. Right. If if the writer benefits, if the artist benefits, the world benefits. Like that should be clear. Because during the pandemic, think about how many people turn to art and turn to turn to us, right? Like it was incredible. It was incredible to see. You know, so if if that's people, if that is what humanity, how humanity naturally kind of navigate their life and navigate their souls and feel um, pulled in that direction, well, what can we do to better facilitate that, 
right? And and if if writers are that valuable and if artists are that valuable, how can we do better in making sure that they're compensated? You know, and I, and I guess like what people would say now in today's today's kind of um, AI world and 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 new age world is they'll probably say that um, like blockchain is that thing, right? Like how how can we how can we use crypto and more more specifically like the actual blockchain that's that that supports crypto to actually make that fair so that where every exchange the artist could get actually get paid for that and i see that as being an option for sure um that maybe we can explore a little bit in in more detail but i also feel like that's that's a, a long ways away because there are a lot of forces that would interrupt that and a lot of systems in place that would not make that possible for a very very long time so like what are some more immediate ways that we can do that is something i hope people who are in control of all these systems are thinking about. <laughs> I think so too. I mean, one thing I think about, because you're in Toronto, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And the difference between, and I don't know if this has changed because I've been out of the US for over five years now, but historically, if you checked a book out digitally at a minimum from a library in the US, the author is not going to get paid extra for that. No. So yeah, that, <laughs> but that it's, is, it's different in Canada, right? It's a little different. in I, I want to say so because I've actually been looking up on that, but I, I don't, I'm just not clear on exactly if the author gets paid with every time, because I know there's like, a, obviously like a lending system where the publisher lends a certain amount of digital copies. And if somebody pulls that out, blah, 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 blah. But I think at least from my understanding, whatever that the initial um lending fee was so if the lending fee to the library was five hundred dollars there's no more payment every time somebody pulls right. out a book like the, that exactly. five hundred dollars is the payment right whatever their royalty is from that five hundred dollars is a payment that is insane so you're yeah. telling me that someone could pull my book out ten thousand times there's some books i'm reading pachenko right now I couldn't uh -huh. even get that at the library, right? There's so oh, many yeah. holes on it. You got to wait for like six, eight months. Yeah. Thank you. So you're telling me that the author doesn't get paid anything from those 10,000 people who are reading your book? I'm sorry. That is not the wave. That is not the, uh, the appropriate way to compensate art, especially art that is in such high demand. That is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I think there has to be a way, I mean, we're going to be asking a lot of questions on this one. We may not solve every single one of them, but I think that there has to be a way to make art accessible to people like it is through the library, but also to make the creation of art accessible to more people. Because if you're not going to get paid well as a writer, then how many people's stories are we missing out on because they can't afford to write them in the first place? You, I, I ask myself that a lot. I'm not, I, I think about that so much. I, I where, and I encourage people all the time. So I'm like, please, like, if you can hold on, keep telling your story. We need it. I, I teach once a week at a, a local college here, and I tell them to, I'm like, your voice is important. I don't care if you get five views, ten views. Just hold on as long as you can and keep writing, right? And I and I obviously give them a little bit more strategic advice than that. But I I I I really I, I think technology is the answer for sure in some way. I just I just worry about um the pace of change, 
um, especially when systems are so uh, systems in larger corporations are so hard to kind of infiltrate and they take forever to change. And if, especially in the, if you look at the publishing industry in their mind, why would they change? They just, they just had two of the most historic years of physical book selling ever. Like 2021 and 2022 were the highest selling years in publishing history, physical books, not digital books, not audio books, physical books. I just read a study where Gen Z still buy physical books. Gen Z attends, goes to the library at the same pace as 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 baby boomers. So in the in publishing's mind, they're like, well, <laughs> you know, like it's working just, just fine. <laughs> Nothing, but they again, they're 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 totally missing the fact. And I say this sign to big publishers. Um, I think they're missing out on on, on opportunities. Um to really nurture nurture a lot more writers to find different ways to compensate these writers to explore um explore technology in ways that that they are not right now to me like in in I'm I'm a I'm a music fan I love I love hip hop I love all types of mu- all types of music actually um I made my class listen to a, I start every class with a song and I made them listen to some classical music from this from this um artist from Iceland that I that I love I made them listen to that yesterday but Back in the day, there was a, a label called Def Jam. Uh, they're still hmm. around today, but Def Jam back in the day, if you were signed to Def Jam, it was like a stamp. It was like, oh, you're a Def Jam artist? Like a, a, a listener, a hip hop head would give you a chance just for being a Def Jam artist. They're like, oh, if Def Jam signed them, they must be at least good, right? And that that notoriety that Def Jam created um, of excellence with their brand was it permeated throughout the industry. It made it really helped make a lot of artists because it gave artists a, a, a chance from being unknown to being known just by being signed. I don't think that that type of cachet exists in publishing, other than maybe Scholastic, because Scholastic has like a direct into the schools, right? Like and 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 with their with their um with their festival or whatever you call it. So other than Scholastic, maybe. And I don't think Scholastic even it really, really explores it. But I don't think there's a, um, a, a a public benefit to an author being signed by a large publisher. There's a financial benefit. There, there are other benefits, blah, blah, blah. They get, you have the resources. But to a reader, does a reader really care if I was signed to, to Penguin? Like, are they going to be like, hmm, let me go look at the library for this book that, that Penguin put out, right? They're... I don't think readers think like that. They just they go by by whatever kind of catches their interest. But if a a, a, a publisher like Penguin or let me say other publishers, I'm signed to Penguin. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> like another big five, Little Brown, Little Brown, know. Simon and Schuster, right? Like yeah, if they, let's throw if them they, in there. If they created a brand presence, use their resources to create a brand presence, right, and really pump money into it, then it gives the artists, the authors that they sign an actual advantage to being seen. Because the other thing is even published authors, the overwhelming majority of them don't sell any books, right? Mm-hmm. During that whole um, case that, that, that just got settled in, in court the other day, right? When, when um, Penguin Random House was trying to buy Simon & Schuster, I think um, they, they said it, they said the average, average author sells less than a hundred books, published author. Yes. yes. Less than a hundred books published. 
what? Right? So think Something about that. is wrong here. What's the, what what are we doing? So you're basically saying like like publishing is like vent, like VC funding. You're just kind of like yes. throwing money at something. And if one of them works, one of them works. Like that is not, that should not be the strategy when you literally control the system. Yes. If I could understand if you're outside that system, but publishing, you control the system, especially the top five. You guys control the system. So if you actually found a way to, to give authors, your authors who you're investing money in, a better opportunity because you put in the work to actually create a brand that people recognize, respect, and can actually trust to put out good books. I mean, publicly trust in pop culture, not just like book nerds like us, like pop culture, <laughs> like people outside of- I'm like, I know who they are. Everybody yeah, listening yeah. is like, we know who they are. We but we're, know, talking, know, we know. we're talking about people who read like five books a year. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I, like, read this, I read this statistic a few years ago that like the average, at least the average American, I think reads like four or five books a year. And I was like, but, but how do they, how do they live then? Like, what are they doing? I don't understand. What are you spending your time doing? I have. Like... I mean, I understand like people read faster and slower, but like, I was like, but that's like how many I read in like two weeks. I don't understand. But when I think about like the rabid fandom, I think about the people who love comic books. Yes. And the level of love and enthusiasm there is for the creators in that world i'm like why don't we have comic con for book nerds oh. i mean yes there are festivals but like if we could do like the equivalent of comic con for fiction or oh my gosh can we do that i that just is feel like a, we do an that. amazing idea and you know it's so weird i i wrote a piece about like why i think graphic novels are so popular now I mm -hmm. never made the connection between that fandom that that comic books have and graphic novels have, as opposed to like the lack of of that fandom that comes from from like more traditional publishing. That is brilliant. We should do that. I know. What do we do? I don't know. We have to figure this out. <laughs> you all heard it. If you like this idea, everyone, please share it in the comments. We'll see yeah. what we can do. <laughs> But you know what that creates then? It means we can we can sell the writer's robe. Yes, yeah. I mean, where else you can go around? I mean, there are people that, you know, fandoms of like Jane Austen and other yes. sort of like Regency period historical fiction. I feel like that's an, a, a place you could start. It's like people who start. love historical or people who love fantasy. They're probably a Comic-Con anyway. Yeah, but they're like, Comic-Con. Being able to dress up in like your fictional world because the saddest thing right is when you finish a book that you really love and then you're like in the real world again yes it's, it's there's almost like a, a a moment of depression it's like coming back from oh yeah depression, you know so and you're sad. just like oh i just i don't want to live and i just had an idea <laughs> for her for the for the 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 festival that we're going to do because we're going to i do, know we're apparently we're, we're doing we're, it we're, okay we're i love it this. We should have fashion sponsors. Can you imagine a fashion sponsor helping people dress up like Jane Austen back in the whatever years? Like if Louis Vuitton or Chanel sponsored the event, that would be insane. And they created all the looks. Oh my gosh. You heard it here first, everyone. You heard okay, it here. Okay, I know. You're like, this is what happens when you start thinking outside of the confines of the traditional book. 
Um, yes. Did you absolutely. see poor? Th- did you see poor things yet? Poor things? No. Mm-hmm. Not okay. Yet. Yeah, it's worth it just for the sleeves. Really? Oh my god the 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 costume design in that is. I'm like, I want her to make all my clothes now. I can't. Oh, watch it. She has these sleeves. They're the most extraordinary sleeves. And then the whole book is like, I mean, the, it is based on a book. Then it was made into a film, as you do. Um, but it's basically Frankenstein, but Frankenstein is a woman. And she just has no interest in following conventional societal rules. She's just oh. not having it. Oh, um, gotta, I'm gonna. I'm nothing. Well, I'm actually gonna read the book first. Now that you told okay. me that, is the book is the book also called Poor Things? The book is called Poor Things. It's by Alistair Gray. I actually just got the book. I've already seen the film. Um, okay, but I bought the book yesterday. Actually, I'm gonna. So, I'm, gonna do, I'm gonna do both. I might. I might okay. watch the film. We'll see. Where, what is, was it on a streaming platform? Um, it's in the theater now. It might be on streaming. Okay, I'll check it's, it out. Yeah, it's with Emma Stone. Um, Ooh, and I like Will, her. I'm gonna Will watch Defoe. it. Yeah. But it's just, it's like a taboo buster, which I quite like. Um, but I think this is what it is. It's like, we think a little bigger. We think about how can we, how can we talk about this differently? And, yeah. and how can artists thrive so and that imagine, everybody else? Yes. And imagine, like, I, I hope really that's what, what everyone kind of is taking away from today. Just imagine, you know, like our imagination is, is literally a gift from wherever you know like whatever you believe in like your imagination is a gift use that thing you you have a skill as a writer use that thing you know what i'm saying to imagine what else you can do to first benefit yourself just from a soulful perspective but then also like this is capitalism go get that money you know like capitalism is not going nowhere right now there are people trying to do their thing with it it ain't going nowhere right now right so until that changes you have to be able to exist and thrive in it and to exist and thrive in it you have to make money that is not an option you know, and the world's just getting more and more expensive. So being able to generate revenue is actually something that you should be really putting top of mind and prioritizing right now. And that takes imagination more than anything. It takes imagination. So imagine a little bit, you know, like we imagined on this call and it was beautiful. I loved it. You know, like this felt so good to just talk about about uh, robes and <laughs> umbrellas and <laughs> festivals where you oh dress up with fashion designers sponsoring it. Like, that is, these are how ideas get made. And hopefully someone will, will, um, will take this idea. Like, sorry, before I forget this last thing, I remember a Tupac quote where he's like, you know, maybe I'm not the the hero, but I'll be the person who sparks the idea in the next hero. You know, I didn't use it in those exact same, those exact same words, but basically him being like the spark. Right. You know, and I feel like that's that's what we have to do like we maybe maybe me and you don't do the festival but someone hears this idea and they're like oh my gosh i have the resources i have the connections i'm gonna go do this and we became the spark for them to to start something incredible right like but it starts with imagination so i i think we shouldn't be scared to imagine ourselves as superstars as as you know as public figures uh, as creative people, as geniuses, as all those things that you hear people get called in public, like where that, where are those things too? Like clearly, because we already participate in all of those things. So yeah, I, I just hope everyone takes that away. Oh my goodness. Well, you just tied a beautiful bow on it and I can't think of a better way to wrap this conversation up than that. So thank you so much, Karen. I'm so grateful you were able to come on today. Thank you. I, I love this so much. We have to do this again. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Thank you for listening to The Secret Library. The Secret Library podcast is hosted by me, Caroline Donahue, and produced by Haley Hatcher. Theme music is composed by Emily Hawkins. To get show notes, links, join the conversation in the comments, and become a supporting member of the show, visit us at secretlibrarypodcast.com. We'll see you back here for the next episode.